it's really unfortunate that we're not educating uh, women who are mostly affected with osteoporosis, but we're just not educating our young people well enough to really understand how to manage stress, how to eat properly, um, and, and to really prepare as we start to age. You, know? you have more power over your health than what you've been told. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast, and I'm your host, Maya Acosta. I'm passionate about finding healthy lifestyle solutions to support optimal human health. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase longevity in a big way. Let's get started. What is osteoporosis and why should we as women be more concerned? Fractures are occurring in everyday life and the prevalence of osteoporosis is higher for women. Kathleen Belongi is here to speak with us about lifestyle modifications to reduce our risk for osteoporosis. She'll talk about being mindful of how we are moving and also using yoga for stress management. You can find her full bio and links at our website, healthylifestylesolutions.org. Thank you, Maya. It's an honor to be here. Kathleen, I always love learning how people uh, come to lifestyle medicine and also about your own personal story and how you're using the pillars of lifestyle medicine to um, manage your occurring osteoporosis. So please tell us more about yourself. Um, so growing up, I was a very active child. I love to ride my bike. I would ride my bike for hours and hours. We had a swimming pool and we were very, very active. Um, you know, I didn't love vegetables, didn't have great eating habits. My mom used to, uh, you know, ask me to stay at the table until the peas were gone or whatever the vegetable of the day was. And I was, I was pretty strong and I sat there and would not eat the vegetables. And finally she would just give up and send me to bed. And I remember as a child, my grandmother fell and she broke her hip. And at that time, you know, I, I mean, I was, the child, I didn't really quite understand what was happening. And grandma broke her hip and then ended up in a nursing home. And, and that's where she was for the rest of her years with us. And then when my mom was in her mid fifties, she was diagnosed with osteoporosis. And then I was, you know, in, in my teen years, probably even closer to 20 then. And I still didn't really understand what it was. I just thought it was something, you know, that, that happens to older women didn't really understand the importance of nutrition and the lifestyle habits and how my eating and refusing to eat vegetables and loving sugar and all those processed foods that I used to just devour as a child, you know, we're, we're playing a role behind the scenes. And even my doctor, no, nobody really ever talked about it. Um, and then fast forward, you know, to adulthood, then after being a mom and having children, I started thinking, oh, maybe, you know, I should get a DEXA scan. I might be at risk. Maybe I should think about that. So I got a DEXA scan. I was 45 and I was diagnosed with osteopenia. Even at that time, I didn't really quite understand how I probably should have been modifying my lifestyle then um, didn't change a lot. I was always kind of moving in this progression really from my mid twenties. I started to make little changes, you know, every 
every five to 10 years, I would see these significant shifts in my nutrition, eating better food, more vegetable, um, not eating as many processed foods. But one thing for me is I just love sweets, love sugar. And that, you know, not really alcohol so much, but just chocolate, sugary treats, just love them. Had no idea, of course, what that was doing to my body. So continue forward. About seven years ago, I had another DEXA scan and found that osteoporosis in my spine. And that was a huge wake up call for me because, you know, I'm very active. I, I walk a lot I yoga, but, you know, still was not probably eating the best, most optimal way. And also, um, you know, I've been through some stressful situations. I lost my father. Um, my firstborn child had a lot of um, just colicky, you know, symptoms, didn't sleep well for, oh, at least the first few years of his life, chronic ear infections, a lot of things going on there and just a lot of stress. I went through divorce. I was a single mom for many years, and, you know, remarried. So there's a lot of those um, traumas of life going through and trying to manage the stress and be in that survival mode. And, you know, that all plays a role at the time. I didn't realize how significant and, you know, so now here I am today looking at these labs and the, this DEXA skin, this was like last, well, a year ago, last um, February, March. And the doctor I had at the time even was a yoga teacher. I'd been teaching yoga for probably eight, nine years at that point. And, you know, I asked her, shouldn't I be modifying doing things to my practice? And she said, well, I don't think you really need to do anything just yet. And I had some books that I had read. I mean, I knew that wasn't I knew that wasn't really accurate. Um, so I started to dive deeper and I in some training um, with Dr. Lauren Fishman, a medical doctor, and decided to expand on my training as a yoga teacher. Um, I went and started doing yoga therapy, which is a whole nother um, path in yoga, working more um, with people with diseases and chronic conditions and a more therapeutic way. And, you know, what I learned as well is I had to change my eating. So I went and found a program. It was through Mind Body Green, a functional nutrition coaching program. And I really, a lot of times enter these, these programs with the intention of really just learning for myself. And then when I learn, I want to share with others. Right. Um, and I, and I just think that it's really unfortunate that we're not educating, uh, women who are mostly affected with osteoporosis. I mean, although men do, um, but we're just not educating our young people well enough to really understand how to manage stress, how to eat properly, um, and, and to really prepare as we start to age, you know, so as we start aging, I think a lot of people think around 40, Oh, this just happens, you know, thyroid problems, hypo, hypothyroid, hyperthyroid. Um, this just happens, you know, osteoporosis just happens. Now, I mean, there is a genetic component and being a third generation, I'm sure genetics did play into it, but I also think that, um, 
you know, my eating, of course, had to play into it. I wasn't eating enough plants growing up. I went through a lot of stress from, you know, age 30 until, you know, just really, it's just been in the past few years where I feel like I've kind of gotten out of that survival mode, you know, with so many transitions, like transitions, having children, getting a divorce, remarriage, blending a family, you know, there are all these different life transitions. And I think quite often as women, particularly here, um, you know, in the United States, we feel like there's this, um, this badge of honor that we wear by doing so much or not talking about things or just, you know, how much can you take on? Um, and there's some sort of pride in that. And as I've gotten older and I start learning more, I realize that really, I want to do less. Um, I think the, the pride is in learning how to do less. And as we start to come, you know, to this phase of life of, you know, thinking about menopause and I, I've always kind of felt like it was a stigmatized word. You know, people don't want to talk about it. Like, what is this? You know, there's a lot of derogatory comments about women when they're experiencing hormonal imbalances. Like she's moody, she's irritable. She's always angry. Oh, she can't remember anything, you know? And so what I hope and through the work that I do is to be able to empower women and, and turn this around, you know, make this like a beautiful experience and knowing that growing old is a privilege that not everyone gets and that we have so much more wisdom. We're so much more beautiful in different ways than we were in our twenties, thirties, and forties. And that this is really just in my opinion, sort of this, this peak time of our lives to, you know, really just evaluate things and just look at all aspects of life. And maybe in some cases, people are reinventing themselves and maybe a better version of themselves as they go through this. So I like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I like to look at that silver lining. <laughs> right. I love that whole idea. Um, the vision that you have for supporting women. And I, when I think of myself aging, uh, because it just suddenly hits you, by the way, if it's like you're living life, and suddenly you realize, oh, I'm older. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, but as I think of myself going through my 50s and on that, I'd love to be like that, kind of very relaxed, in a Zen mode kind of individual and be confident and be happy. Like you said, it's a privilege that we get to live this long. Um, and so, yes, maybe we can find that. Maybe we can f move towards that direction of embracing the, the the faces that we're going through and seeing that we're very fortunate to live into our 50s, 60s, 70s and on. Um, you said something that really stood out and I'm wondering about the prevalence of osteoporosis in women. I don't know if we actually know statistics, but are women more susceptible Acceptable, especially once we hit menopause, is that part of it is hormonal, like you said, right? Once we hit menopause, but all, the other part is really uh, lifestyle and nutrition that contributes all the way up to that point. Yeah, absolutely. And according to the the last um, statistics that I was reading, there are over two hundred million people um, in the world that have osteoporosis, and it is more prevalent in women one in two women will experience a fracture, usually in their lifetime, women over 50. And what I think is really sad about it is, you know, I, I had a bone scan because 
my mother and her mother had it, but there's a lot of women out there who are never offered that. Never, they, they don't think to do that. And then they fall. And even then the bone scans are not always offered. The DEXA scans are not always offered. And so even with a fall, there are many people who, you know, aren't being diagnosed, but I just wonder, yeah, if we, if this was like the mammogram at a certain age where you get it to, to give sort of a baseline and to help women, I wonder how many of those falls we could prevent, you know, because that obviously takes a lot of toll on the medical system. It's very expensive. And when someone falls, especially breaking the hip or something, for example, my grandmother, you know, she ended up in a nursing home. That was not um, the most ideal way to spend her remaining years. And quite often, you know, it, it, it can put someone in that situation of, you know, not having the best experience those last few years because they need help or they, they're physically not able to get around. Um, my mother, for example, sitting on the couch, the phone rang, she got up to answer the phone, snapped her ankle. Um, just recently, about a month ago, she bent over to pick something up. She didn't bend her knees and she sprained, uh, fractured, excuse me. She fractured a vertebrae in her spine. So quite often the, the injuries, the fractures are occurring in just everyday life. And so we have to be really mindful how we're moving, how we're, you know, picking things up, how we're getting down onto the floor and we've. We've just got to be really careful. Absolutely. And I'm I'm glad that you say mindful, being mindful of movement. Uh, we live in a society where we're just absolutely busy. We put so much on our plate, running around, doing things. Uh, it really is hard to be mindful, um, especially as women. I feel like our, our boundaries are blurred. <laughs> and so we just take on so much. Uh, I, I had a fall over a year ago that I shared about on the podcast, and it was important for me to share about it because of the way I was treated by the chiropractor. Um, I did have an MRI. I did discover that I had a, a fracture or a um, an injury on my shoulder that had it been worse, my shoulder would have dislocated because of the way I fell. But I didn't know I had a significant injury until three months later when I couldn't move my shoulder at all. So I had a frozen shoulder, wow. a frozen arm. And so I that's how I ended up with a chiropractor. And the first thing that he said to me was, it's your age, which was actually um, insulting, kind of degrading. Right. That's that's what he was trying to do is uh, shame me for being an older woman. And and then wow. he said, well, we're not that much different in age. You're a couple of years older. Well, what does that matter? Why are you telling me this? It's so offensive. And so with time, uh, I so he would work on my shoulder, then I'd, I'd follow up with his physical therapist. And they got they brought back mobility to my arm. I did physical therapy. I was so happy about it. And the chiropractor changed the way he his tone with me through conversations, you know, and it's because I think maybe he saw past the age and past whatever, maybe Hispanic, I don't know. Uh, and, and saw that I could actually hold a conversation. And uh, so I wonder sometimes how women feel when they go to their physician, and, and especially as we age, if we if we feel that uh, we're being judged, and therefore, that's why we don't take all of these preventative measures. Um, 
for example, like what you're talking about, like even going to get tested just to see if we're vulnerable. But coming back to the idea of being mindful with our movement. Um, so you will talk to us about yoga as well, which I think will help us a lot. Um, what? Where are you today with your osteoporosis? I know you said it's only been a year. Where are you with that today? And also, did you have symptoms? Were, were you experiencing pain? Yes, um, for me, it did. And the, the pain was in the low back. And I would notice it uh, predominantly in the mid in the Midwest. So we have a lot of snow here. And if I went out to shovel that twisting and lifting of the snow, I, I would come in and just like have so much pain in my low back and it would be hard to walk, um, raking leaves. Anytime I, I pushed something heavy, I would notice it in my back. And I even occasionally did notice it after yoga. Um, sometimes I would just notice certain things that we did. And once I removed those things from my practice, I, I don't have the pain anymore. Um, but yeah, I did notice some low back pain. Yeah. And then to answer your question about, um, where I'm at with this. So, um, so I've worked very hard to modify my diet. I am taking some supplements also to, to help with that. Um, and then, uh, modifying my yoga practice. I've added in some straight training, um, that I'm doing, uh, on a more regular basis. It's one of those things I've done off and on for years, but not consistently. So I've really tried to be very, um, purposeful with that as well as, um, you know, the walking, I still love cycling. We have a Peloton cycle. I love to ride it, but I know that, that that's not really building, you know, bone density in my spine. And so I'm very mindful about using, um, the poses that I know, um, can be helpful along with the supplementation, but diet has been a huge, huge thing for me. I, have just really embraced this whole new way of eating and preparing all of our own food. I remove sugar from my diet, gluten, dairy, all the things that can potentially be triggering um, for a diet. And I've removed all of them. I um, hope that when I go back in another year or so, they usually recommend every couple years getting another, um, DEXA scan. I hope that I'll see some progress. Um, but yeah, it does take time. It does take time. So you yeah. are going to talk to us about menopause and how yoga can support us. And then you'll mm -hmm. incorporate stress management, I guess, as part of the uh, pillars. And I'm excited about yeah. that, Kathleen, because we haven't spoken necessarily about managing stress. Uh, while going through menopause. And um, I did lightly mention that I have noticed that I'm experiencing a lot more anxiety nowadays. And while I'm I don't want to blame it on menopause, I think it's related to menopause. <laughs> so can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Sure, sure. Well, I think um, I would have to agree with you. I, I noticed that um, for myself personally, I've started to notice an increase in it as well, particularly when I'm in the car with my husband, which I, it never used to bother me before. And I, I've asked, even asked my doctor, is it, is this like a thing, you know, because 
for some reason, I'm much more, um, I'm much more nervous when he drives now and just feeling more anxious about things that didn't really bother me before. So I do think that it can play a role. And so I have to work really hard to remind myself to use, you know, breathing as a tool to calm my anxiety. And I'll share a little more about that when I get into, um, you know, the, the section on stress and really talk about yoga and yoga therapy and the different practices that we can use to kind of help, um, to, uh, you know, minimize those menopausal symptoms. And so I did have a question about menopause, the phases of menopause. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, um, yeah, so the, the perimenopause, as you mentioned, you'll, you'll link to that, but just, just for anyone listening, you know, it's typically in mid thirties, it's when a woman starts to experience fluctuations in her hormones. And maybe if you're a woman listening and you're starting to, um, notice changes in your cycle, maybe you're skipping a month or things are heavier or lighter um, than normal. Um, that could be an indication. Um, and some women do experience osteopenia during that phase. And, and that did happen for me. And then thinking about the menopausal phase, you know, kind of looking at it as like a bridge, you know, you're starting in perimenopause and then going over and, you know, this menopause journey can last a really long time. I feel like people who go through it quickly are so lucky. Um, it can start anywhere from the mid forties and go through mid fifties. Um, you know, unless there are genetic factors, surgical factors, there can be other reasons why someone might have an early menopause, but typically, um, most women pass through by 51. Um, and, no two stories are ever the same. And then once a woman has had 12 months without a cycle, um, she's considered to be in the post-menopause phase. And this phase lasts for the remainder of a woman's life. And basically, um, you know, she, she couldn't experience all these different things from that point forward until, you know, her life cycle ends. And so it's not like once you pass 12 months, you're just done, unfortunately. Um, and, and there's a lot of a question out there in debate, you know, why, why does this happen to women? And there, there are a couple of theories out there. One is, you know, maybe because we're living longer. Um, than women used to, um, you know, because as, as humans, and I believe it's, um, the, the whales, the mammals, like the only ones that, that have this happening, uh, most other species, you know, continue releasing eggs and remain fertile until life cycle ends. So there's a lot of debate about why that is, but I, I think it's also, you know, an opportunity. And I think it's an opportunity, um, to really, evaluate, um, different lifestyle choices, um, manage stress to just keep the, the, um, the endocrine system in balance. And unfortunately, you know, a couple of years after women pass through menopause, there is just, you know, there is this natural, um, dropping of the estrogen through that process. And many women within a couple of years after going through it will have a diagnosis of osteoporosis. And, um, you know, quite often two women will talk about the weight gain. Um, they might have cardiovascular disease, some experience breast cancer, um, you know, so there's a variety of things that can happen. And I think 
stress is one of the big ones. Um, but you know, if, if we look at pillars of lifestyle medicine, you know, it, it really provides a wonderful foundation in helping us to deal with these changes in our bodies and to make adjustments in diet, in um, life routines, um, such as exercise, um, you know, how you view yourself, just being able to accept accepting that it's changing. I always tell my son um, when he was younger, I would say, you know, let's just flow with the river. You know, if you're always going against the current, there's going to be resistance, right? You know, if you can just kind of flow with the river. And I think that's where yoga, the mindfulness comes in, which we'll we'll talk about in a few minutes, but um, just being able to accept what is and and just roll with it um, rather than resisting it can really um, just be so helpful um, mentally, emotionally, just um, to be able to look at all aspects, physical, mental, um, and just see what, what you can do to support this change. So when I think about um, the, the considerations, when we think about the pillars of lifestyle medicine, um, you know, one, one thing comes to mind, a big thing uh, for me, as I mentioned, changing, you know, was my diet. Um, nutrition is a huge piece. And so I would really challenge listeners out there, um, you know, if they're noticing that they've gained some weight, um, phase of life, quite often that can happen. The belly fat's a big one. Um, you know, I would just challenge you to ask your, yourself some of these questions like, you know, what time you start eating, you know, are you snacking? How many meals do you eat a day? Um, how often do you eat on the go? Are you standing up? Um, are you devising while you're eating? Are you eating, you know, with other people and making connections? Are you eating alone? Um, processed foods? Um, and, you know, also looking at how much protein, how much carb, how many healthy fats are you getting in your diet? How many servings of vegetables? Um, are you, are you cooking at home with pleasure? Like they, there's this story I always remember, like, don't cry on my sandwich, you know? So if you're, if you're making that food with love, like there's a farm where I live, they pick all the produce on Thursdays, they open the farm store on Friday. I swear that food, just the, the life in that food, when I eat it, it's like just being there and being surrounded by it. It just feels like, you know, self-love. It's just this whole experience because you know that so much care and so much thought and kindness and positivity was put into raising this food. And if they pick it and the food doesn't taste good, they'll compost will not sell it. So everything you buy is so fresh and so delicious. And you're able to get, you know, these leafy greens and all this wonderful plant-based foods. So when I think about, you know, eating a variety of plant foods, kind of eating the rainbow, trying to mix it up, eat as many colors as you can, um, tips that you might want to consider is, you know, making sure that you're cooking at home. Um, it's definitely less expensive, it's healthier for you, you know, exactly what's going into your food. Um, some people think, well, I don't have time for that, but you can batch cook. You can cook a lot of things at once. Or like when I go to the farm, I kind of line everything up and chop all the vegetables, put them in containers so that they're there. So when I'm hungry, instead of grabbing, you know, a box of crackers, even if 
they're really great organic gluten-free kale crackers, they're still processed foods. And we want to really just limit that. So having things ahead of time, buying from local farmers, farmers markets to get the freshest, most in-season food is just the most ideal. Um, if you, uh, if you're looking for like specific foods that are really, really good, like for bone health, um, cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, making sure you're getting enough of your vitamin D and omega-3s, and you can get that through some of your vegetables and oils. You can take supplements um, to help with that. Vitamin K is really important. I think it's one of those vitamins people don't talk about a lot, but spaghetti squash has a lot of vitamin K, collard greens, again, broccoli, leafy greens. Um, thinking about getting enough calcium through your food. Always thinking about your food is really being your first source of medicine. So I have a, a teenager who keeps saying, I, I don't have any food. I don't have any food. Why isn't there any food in the house? And then I open the refrigerator and I say, well, look at all this. If you want a snack, you know, there's all this food, but what you really, what he's really asking for is junk food, right? <laughs> Processed food. Um, but, you know, we've got to change that mindset. We've got to look at our, our opening our refrigerator is our medicine cabinet, because what we put in there, the food can either make us sick or it can make us healthy. And so making sure that we're getting enough variety of colors, particularly those dark leafy greens, turnips, um, sardines have um, calcium. We need magnesium, um, Brazil nuts, pepita seeds, um, you know, getting all of that magnesium we need and even supplementing when you need to, because even the best whole food diet quite often soils are depleted and we're not getting enough. That's a, a really um, big deficiency that we have here. So um, things that you want to avoid, trying to avoid caffeine, processed foods, excess dairy and animal proteins, um, added sugars. I know that there, there is a lot out there about including soy for this phase of life. I'm not a big fan of soy. Um, and if, if people are eating soy, I just say, make sure, you know, it's organic, it's non-GMO, um, corn, another big food that can trigger a lot of allergies and a lot of issues. People, artificial sweeteners, even the, the alcohol sweeteners can often signal to your body that sugar is coming. So you got to be real careful not to have too many of those. I try to avoid gluten and um, just limit alcohol. Healthy foods, whole foods really do reduce, at least for me, the prevalence of having hot flashes, along with improving some of my stress. So what's next on the list of lifestyle pillars? Yeah, um, so thinking about relationships, healthy relationships are really important. I hear from a lot of women, um, you know, that are 50 and older, quite often they feel invisible especially women in their sixties, um, just, they feel invisible. You mentioned going, you know, to a doctor and having them make a comment about your age. I think there, there is a lot of um, women in, that are just, you know, being dismissed because of their age. And so being able to foster relationships with people feeling connected, it's just, it's always good for, for long-term health. And I also would like to add to that, you know, time for pleasure. Um, one thing that I noticed personally, you know, working from home this past year, like all my classes that I've been teaching, any coaching that I do is all virtual now, you know, and it's, it's really been that for a couple of years. And about a month ago, I kind of hit a wall and said, uh, you know, I'm really feeling 
a little lonely, you know, like I, I realized that I wasn't making time for joy or pleasure because, you know, I'm always so focused on what I'm doing. And, and though I see people virtually just being able to connect with other people. And so I started to, um, basically set a goal for myself every week, reach out to one person at least and try to schedule a coffee or a walk or a hike, make one social connection per week, make time for activities that give me pleasure and joy every single week that needs to be on my schedule. Even if it's, you know, 15 minutes just to read a book or step outside and make fresh air. But I think all too often, especially here, you know, in the United States, we just tend to work, 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 and we kind of get this tunnel vision. And, um, you know, we don't always take time to smell the roses. So I I do think that's super important. I remember hearing a coach once say that self-care is whatever you need to do to be in your best place. So for some people, self-care may be getting out of the house because they've been cooped up indoors too much. For someone else, it might be self-care may be staying, you know, spending more time at home because they're always busy running around. So it's whatever you need to do uh, to take care of yourself so that you can be in a, in a better place, I guess. But one thing that really stands out, Kathleen, that you do is something that I, I want to do, which is once a week, reach out to someone and if possible, sit down and have coffee with them or have a walk or just, you know, have a nice conversation in person. Yeah. And, yeah. and it really, it really is a game changer. So what else can we do to uh, support our transition through menopause? Yeah. So um, another, um, another thing is exercise. Um, movement is very important to get out, to move your body every single day. At least a minimum of 150 minutes of exercise per week is recommended. I've even heard that that that's on the low end. Um, so if you're not getting at least 150 minutes a week, I definitely encourage you to get out and start moving. And I would also um, encourage you, you know, to start looking at strength training, not, not high intensity hit. It doesn't need to be this crazy, um, you know, uh, kind of workout. I would look for something that's low impact, that's easy on the joints, for an instructor that's qualified to work with, um, you know, women at our age are changing bodies um, and try to do at least a minimum of two days a week to strengthen your body. It's very important um, for your posture, for your core to keep you, um, you know, standing upright because as our, our bone density just naturally starts to, whether you end up with osteopenia or osteoporosis, we're all losing bone as, as we get to this, you know, phase of life. And so we really need to make sure that the strength training is coming back in to just help us be stronger and other ways that we can get out and exercise would be like walking, hiking. You mentioned Arizona. I spend part of my time in Arizona. We have a home there as well. And I love to hike. I have all my hiking trails. I go up to Sedona. Um, you know, it's just, it's so wonderful that hiking with that 
elevation change. Um, jogging is good. You, of course, you want to be mindful though of your surroundings and what you're doing. If you know that you have low bone density, you have to be careful to choose exercises that are not going to put you at risk of falling. Um, so yeah, you've got to be mindful with your movement, but definitely get your body moving. It's so good for your long-term health. Um, let me just touch real quick on sleep and just, you know, substances, the, the other two pillars of, um, lifestyle medicine aside from the stress, um, you know, and we know that alcohol can increase the risk for breast cancer and all kinds of things, you know, so we definitely want to avoid that. And I like to bring up sugar here because this was something I really, you know, loved my whole life. And when I did my nutrition training, um, one of the doctors, I think it might've been Dr. Mark Kime said um, that sugar is a recreational drug. And that really hit me because I would do a, you know, I, I wouldn't use drugs. So why am I eating all this sugar? And so I, I had to really have, have a moment with myself to really just pause as I really understood how much damage I'm causing my body because, you know, sugar is addicting, it causes inflammation in the body. Inflammation can lead to bone loss, um, it, hormone imbalances. It can cause all kinds of things. So, um, for me, I, I really had to slow down and say, okay, I have to stop this. And so I went through and I did like a fast mimicking. I did two rounds of this five day fast mimicking diet. You might have prolon. I did that after I was done with, I was done with the sugar. And so occasionally a special occasion, I will have a dessert and I've noticed you know, it's kind of hard because once you, you have some, then you want more but there's this awareness now that surrounds that. And I just so much better my skin, my eyes, like everything's clear, not having that sugar. I don't have the pain in the joints and in my body that I had before with the sugar. So I bring it up, even though technically it's not, you know, it's not, an, I, it's not a, a considered a substance, but it should be because it really does do that much damage um, to your body. I get just as much joy out of a sweet potato or I'll make some, uh, something with dates. I have a raw vegan brownie that I make with dates, cacao, sea salt and almonds and walnuts. And that feels like a treat for me. Let me touch just real briefly on sleep. And then we'll get to, cause I really have a lot. I want to share about yoga, just to remind everyone, you know, that sleep is critical for long-term health, um, that, you know, you really should be getting seven to eight hours night, disconnecting from your blue light at least two hours before bedtime, maybe darkening the room and lowering the temperature if you do have the night sweats or hot flushes. Um, and one thing that I started doing recently and I got my husband into, and he's a physician. And so he's a very, um, you know, uh, challenging uh, job and schedule and a lot of inconsistency, you know, he might work a 24 hour shift or a night shift. We got these aura rings. Um, I have an Apple watch, which I understand can track your sleep as well, but I like the ring. It's smaller. And, um, so if you, if you have a tracking device or you think that sleep could be an issue for you, I definitely encourage you because it can give you a lot of 
insight into your health and let you know um, when something might be going on. It, after a couple of weeks, it, it gets to know you and it'll start to tell you your body temperatures are higher and, and kind of signal that, you know, an infection is going on. Maybe you're not feeling well, or you wake up and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll load up my sleep data. I usually take it off and let it load. So I have the EMF, you know, go through my body, but it will tell me on some days, like, what? you know, your readiness score is really not great. You shouldn't work out today. You should rest. And it's almost like, you know, just having this permission, like, Oh, I guess I'll just take a nap today. I guess I don't have to exercise or, you know, so if not getting sleep, you don't want to stress your body further by doing a really super hard workout. Maybe it's just a, a, a nice walk around the block or something like that. Still moving your body, but being mindful that you're not putting too much stress on your body. And that can be really helpful. Did you call it an, an aura ring? It's an aura ring. O-U-R-A. Oh, I will look I into it. it. <laughs> I probably will yes, get one. And it's, it's been very insightful. And my husband, he, um, it took me a while to convince him, but since he's had it, it's brought to light a lot of new information. So it could be a fun thing to do. Yeah, it's it. I feel like I'm the same way. I'm very open to alternatives or holistic uh, approaches to things. And I too have to sort of find a way to convince my husband sometimes um, just because he is a man of science, right? And that's how uh, many physicians are, which is why it's harder to get physicians on board with uh, this way of thinking. Not impossible, but just a little harder. Um, Okay, please continue. Yeah. So, so the last pillar that I wanted to talk about was stress and just give another, you know, perspective on this, because when I get stress, I think of, um, self-care being a big piece of this and really mindfully managing your stress and ways that you can do that. You know, maybe it's, um, massage facials. It doesn't need to be this big grandiose thing. Like I would say, don't save it for the one vacation you get a year or the one day you go to a spa. These practices should be part of your routine every day, every week. And maybe, you know, it's, reserving one week or, or one day a week, one little block of time, 15 minutes a day to disconnect from social media, to disconnect from devices, to just really sit and be present with yourself. Of course, I'm going to encourage you to establish a meditation practice or yoga um, because both, both can help. Um, and there, is, there are a lot of studies out there. Yoga therapy is actually one of the most commonly used therapies um, to help women cope with menopausal symptoms. There's a lot of studies done since 2008. Um, a lot of studies being done more that need to be done because, you know, we we need to have a little consistency. You know, it depends on the types of yoga. But what I work with mostly um, with my clients um, is breath work. Breath work is very powerful. You know, we talked earlier about anxiety. Um, there are breathing practices that you can use, you know, like for example, alternate nostril breathing or belly breathing that just help to calm your nervous system down. We also work with um, mudras, which are hand gestures, and they're used to channel the flow of energy in the body. Um, we say that the hand gestures kind of work like if you were to um, get acupuncture and put those needles in, you know, channeling the flow of energy to different parts of your body. Um, there's another um, piece there called yoga nidra. Yoga nidra is like a yogic 
sleep. And it's unlike meditation. Meditation um, teaches us a single pointed focus where in a yoga nidra, you're lying down, you're um, going through this whole scan of your body and there's some guided imagery in it. And it can help with overcoming insomnia, stress, fatigue. They say about 20 minutes of yoga nidra equals about three hours of sleep. So if you're feeling depleted, I'd love to do a yoga nidra in the afternoon. The most ideal time to do a Nidra is about 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. And, and then there's the best time that works for you. So that might not be the same. Hatha yoga is uh, another um, modality that I use, the Hatha classes. So it's a little different than a vinyasa class. We want to be really mindful. And this is one thing I want to say here when we start to talk about yoga is if a woman has low bone density, Rather, it's osteopenia or osteoporosis. It's treated the same. And then I would like to add, even if you don't know you have low bone density, I suspect you could, maybe you have low back pain doing other things, or you just want to be cautious. I really recommend avoiding the forward folds in yoga. I teach, I've designed a a style of class that I teach where I use blocks, I use chairs, different props to guide my students through a practice that does not risk their spine. Because traditional yoga class, you go to a yoga studio and is made for a healthy spine. And if you're leaving there and you're feeling like you've got a little pain in the low back, that that could be why. Um, there are ways to modify um, as you're bending, of course, sometimes people who have tight hamstrings also feel that if they're not bending their knees, they're not engaging their core. But just generally as a rule, um, I like the Hatha. It doesn't have a lot of um, vigorous movement. It's a slower pace, holding poses longer. And Dr. Lauren Fishman uh, is a medical doctor that I studied with. He's been doing a lot of research. He researches a lot of different conditions of the spine and yoga and how yoga can help. And Dr. Fishman has tested, he has about 200,000 hours um, in, in his program of study with of different yoga poses, women taking their scans before they start. They're not allowed to be on any um, hormone replacement therapy or anything um, when they're going through this program. And then they learn this, the 12 poses and they do these daily for about two years and then are retested. And he has been able to prove um, through these studies that there has been improvement in about 80, 83% of the participants will notice some increase in the bone density in the spine. So working with uh, a teacher that is experienced in that I have an online, um, I have online courses that I offer through my business and I do classes with men um, Thursday mornings and I have online libraries where people can experience those kinds of classes. I also bring in restorative yoga and Judith Benson Lasseter, she's um, a physical therapist. She's kind of the pioneer that this practice um, to the West um, is restorative yoga is very helpful in rebalancing the mind and body during times of stress. Restorative yoga helps you feel calm, uh, less fatigue, less just overwhelmed by life, making it a really perfect complement for menopause. When we think about yoga, 
um, you know, managing stress that helps you keep cortisol levels low, calming the nervous system can help with sleep issues. Um, there have been studies that have shown yoga to help reduce hot flushes, mood swings, um, even times when energy is low, sometimes you know, we're feeling a little depressed or sad, low energy. We can use the yoga. We can use the breath work to increase energy as well. So it's not always, but, but in a way that isn't, um, destructive, you know, in a, in a way it's purposeful, um, yoga also really helps with promoting self-acceptance and self. I think is a really piece I've heard people say, you know, things like, Oh, this is such a horrible thing. You know, I just, I don't feel like myself anymore. And I just feel so gross. And I think some women feel, they just don't feel like themselves, right? We're losing elasticity in our skin. Sometimes we're losing our hair. We've got this potential weight gain on the belly. You know, it's just, it's hard to feel the same kind of beautiful, right? That we associate with beauty, but it's a different kind of beauty. I Opinion. Um, but the yoga really helps with supporting the body image, empowerment, and it's a key to, um, you know, increasing your body awareness and really just helping strengthen through the standing poses, you can strengthen the body, you can improve your posture, your coordination, your balance, which all has the risk of falling and breaking bones. Um, when we meditate, which is another part of yoga, um, we just are, we're learning to live in the present moment with that single pointed focus. And I think as women, one of the most common things I see, I always think of the hamster in the wheel and just going so fast, but going nowhere, right. We're expected to wear so many hats and, you know, whether we're a working mom or a non-working mom, you know, we're all wearing lots of hats and even, you know, if, if a woman has not had children, she's still wearing many hats, right? Because we just, as women are keeping up our households or maybe focusing on our career, maybe overworking, um, you know, and not prioritizing the self-care. So it isn't always just moms that they're finding that a lot of, you know, my clients find that, oh, it's like this one. And all of a sudden they get to this point where I need to learn to slow down. I need to be comfortable with, silence and in my, within my own skin, you know, and, and so really, um, it really can help with that. You know, as you, you're describing yoga and I'm thinking about my own experiences with yoga and yes, it, it's a very grounding practice. Maybe you've heard before Maya Soham, so means I am that I am. And it's just fostering this sense of acceptance, being able to just see this as a beautiful opportunity to embrace this change that we're going through. And another piece that can sometimes, you know, I teach mindfulness meditation and I, I actually have a, a course, it's mindfulness for self-care, just teaching women first that awareness of, you know, being able to tune into their bodies and listening to what they need and using journaling as a tool for reflection can be very helpful just, you know, to get those thoughts down and on paper. And there's different ways you can journal, um, you know, you can journal reflection from um, your meditation, maybe gratitude journaling. That's been a big thing for me because I felt like I was focusing more on negative and I wanted to shift my mindset. And I started doing gratitude practice um, several years ago. And I just feel like it just shifted my mindset. So when I start to go down that path, I'm able to pause and try to reframe things that 
I might've gone down this rabbit hole before of, Ooh, you know, it's so awful, but, you know, just thinking about the affirmations, that's another one, you know, like I am powerful and I love what you said about empowerment because that's what I try to do. I want to empower, I want to empower you to, you know, use all of these tools that we have to make good choices, to, you know, love on yourself. And, you know, the way you eat is self-love, right? I mean, if you have a good relationship with yourself and you love your body, you're going to want to give your body good food. Um, you want, yeah, you want to ma- maintain stress levels. You just want to feel like, you know, the best version of yourself you can be. And I guess one other thing I would add is just, you know, maybe finding hobbies that, your interest um, to help with stress management as well, that you can put your connections and ways to get out. So if you are in a household and you're alone, I just encourage you to try to find groups, organizations, things that you can do to create some new hobbies for yourself um, just to get out. And so that you aren't sitting and spending too much time thinking about things that might cause stress. It's like giving us permission to just live our lives and to find happiness in in various ways. Um, Now, if any of our listeners are interested, you have gone virtual as well as a coach. Yeah. So, um, so I do offer coaching. Um, I work for an organization called Era Health. Um, they are a lifestyle medicine um, based coaching program. They have an app and you, I am available to, um, coach through them. And then I also have, um, my yoga business where I offer, is specific for women, Radiant Flow. It's to help you just ignite your inner light, to shine, to be radiant at any age, any phase of life. And so those classes are all designed specifically um, with the, the options for women who may or may not have osteopenia or osteoporosis so that they can practice yoga safely and meditate. And so um, people can can join uh, weekly classes. They can purchase access to my on-demand library. And I'm actually organizing a fall yoga retreat. It's going to be in Sedona. Um, just working out the details with the retreat center. Uh, it should be somewhere in October, November. And um, I thought I had a date and they apparently need to change that. So I unfortunately don't have the exact date on that, but there will be details to come. I also have available on my website. If any of the listeners want to go there, I have a little, um, what I call a three-day journey to empowerment and they can subscribe to my mailing list and they'll get um, three-day emails. There will be um, a meditation for calming, a short 15-minute yoga practice, and um, a little um demonstration of how to make a smoothie with some beans to take greens on the go so that there's just no excuse whatsoever to not be getting all of that delicious uh, plants, uh, the delicious plants that you need in your diet every day, because you can take them in a smoothie on the go. And um, yeah, I know that you'll have more details later. Uh, But I do have a question about your Sedona retreat. Are you wanting to have a small group? Yeah, it's a pretty big room. And I actually just emailed them to because that one of my 
questions and we've been trying to um, coordinate, but it is a big space. So I believe that I, I can have a pretty decent sized group. And what's unique about this retreat is um, they're going to be basically yoga, um, the radiant flow style practice that I teach. There's also going to be um, group coaching. I'm going to go through the nutritional pieces. Um, I'm going to teach the bone building sequence um, that Dr. Lauren Fishman uses. And I'm also um, training Bone Fit, which is an organization that um, trains instructors to offer safe exercise for women with osteopenia and osteoporosis. So I'm planning to incorporate some Bone Fit exercise in it and some optional hikes. We're going to have healthy food. So I love to, I love to have a big group. Obviously I'm going to guess probably just looking at the room and I'm trying to remember because I was there at the resort um, back in January and I walked the grounds, which is absolutely lovely. And it's a great location in West Sedona. So it's not far from everything, but a little, you know, it's not like right in town. Um, it's just kind of to the, so you can avoid that bottleneck of traffic. Sedona gets pretty busy, as you know, if you go there, Um but uh, yeah, I'm going to guess I probably can have around 40 or 50 people. The other thing I'm doing is I have an online course, which is called Yoga for Osteoporosis. And in that course, I have pose by pose by pose, all the poses that you need to avoid that you would normally um, be offering in a traditional yoga class and I have PDFs to print off and demonstration videos um, so that the clients will have that. So they'll have all the bone building density sequences, beginner, intermediate, and advanced that Dr. Fishman has established. They'll have all the information they need to know about how to, to um, practice with options and props so that they can practice safely for their spine. And I also lifestyle um nutrition uh, pieces in that course. And then I'm also including access to my mindfulness for self-care, which has eight categories on um, meditations to just help women establish that awareness practice to start incorporating using um, mindfulness meditation to manage stress as well. And so anyone who comes to that will have access to both of those courses. This is great information, especially because you did throw in there also that you offer gentle yoga. And I'm thinking of uh, people who probably, you know, perhaps have never experienced yoga, have never practiced and may be intimidated, uh, especially when we see other yogis, very advanced yogis holding incredible poses. Um, so if people have concerns, for example, about osteoporosis, I guess they go to the primary care physician and ask. Uh, to be tested? Yeah, I would definitely recommend if, if they have concerns to ask, um, you know, their physician to order a DEXA scan for them. That seems to um, the first step in screening. And um, I think that it's, it's, it's really important to know if you suspect or have any family history, um, you'll definitely want to get that done. And then again, I, I I think you have already covered, but if you'd like to share with our listeners once again, like the best way to reach you and to learn about your programs, if they're interested in going to Sedona and having a retreat with you, uh, where would you send them? Yeah, so you can find me at my website, which is KathleenBelongi.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. I also, um, on my Facebook, I have, 
it's Kathleen Belongi Mindful Living and Yoga is the name of my business. And so you can find me there. And my last name is spelled B as in boy, E-L-O-N-G-A. Kathleen, this has been a wonderful conversation. This is so beneficial to us. So thank you again for being here. Thank you so much. It was an honor and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts that helps us to spread our message. You can also head on over to podinbox.com forward slash HLS to leave me a voicemail. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, thank you for listening.